was imprisoned. He was arrested and imprisoned by Aurangzeb. And the whole book simply describes what Aurangzeb is doing. He's going here and there, cutting people's heads off, and so many nasty things. So one person said that to PC writer, your book, only few lines are there about Shahjahan and the whole book is about Aurangzeb. So why don't you call the book Aurangzeb? Why have you called it Shahjahan? So PC Roy said, you don't understand. The whole theme of the book is that Shahjahan is sitting in prison, hearing about the activities of Aurangzeb and lamenting. So, who could understand? The author, he understands what is the purpose of the book, therefore he gives it such a title. So in the same way, Prabhupada gave the example, he wasn't just telling a story, just for the sake, very interesting story. There's a purpose. The purpose is that Vyasadev, he has compiled the Vedic literatures. He knows what is the purpose. In the Vedic literatures, you'll find so many different things mentioned. Uh, how you can worship this demigod, as a result, you can go to the moon, or you worship this demigod in your next life, you'll get very nice facility to enjoy sense gratification. Or there is a description how by performing Ashtanga Yoga, you can burst through the coverings of the universe and become merged in the impersonal Brahman. There's so many different descriptions. But what is the actual purpose of the Vedas? That is known to the author who the author himself, Vyasadeva, has written in Mahabharata. Vede Ramayana Chaiva Purane Bharate Tita Ada Ante Chamatya Cha Hari Sarvatra Giyate In all the Vedic literatures, means Vedas, Puranas, Ramayana, Mahabharata, in all the Vedic literatures, the only subject, beginning, middle and end, is Lord Sri Hari. He is to be glorified. Hari Sarvatra Giyati. Everywhere Lord Hari is being glorified. Then you may say that, well in some places, Indra is glorified. In some places, Shiva is glorified. How is that? Then, it cannot be incorrect. So, what is to be understood? When Indra is glorified, that's actually referring to Krishna. That is the inner meaning. Those who are not very advanced in understanding. They take it that the demigod Indra is being glorified. But actually, Indra means the king. So the greatest king is Lord Krishna, Vishnu. So he is being glorified. Shiva means who is auspicious. So when Shiva is glorified, it actually means that Lord Vishnu is being glorified because the most auspicious person is Lord Vishnu. So in this way, it's understood. Or, even if it's understood that Indra the demigod is being glorified, then you have to understand why he's being glorified. How has he become powerful? That is by the grace of Lord Krishna. We see all the demigods, just like we were reading yesterday, Brahma Samhita, Yatthada Pallava Yugam Menitaya Kumva, Vandvei Pranamasamaya Sadanati Ramacha, Vidnan Vihantanam Amavasya, Jagatrayasya, Govindavadi Purusham Tamahambhujam. Why is Ganesh so powerful? that he destroys all the obstacles on the path of progress in the three worlds. Why is that? Because he is getting power from holding on his head the lotus feet of Lord Narasimha Dev. That's what we say. Bhakti Vigna Vinashana Narasimha Deva. Sometimes we hear devotees they say Vigna Vinashana Narasimha Dev. But specifically Vigna Vinashana means 
one who destroys obstacles. But specifically, Nrsimha Dev is Bhakti Vignavinashana. He destroys all the obstacles on the, by remembering Lord Nrsimha Dev, the obstacles on the path of devotional service are vanquished. And in the material world, Vignavinashana is Ganesh, who is, people pray to him to destroy the obstacles in their materialistic progress. So anyway, the point here is that there may be some misunderstanding, even in the Vedic literatures. It may, it's presented in such a way that it can be interpreted in different ways. Why is that? Because not everyone is ready to fully surrender to Krishna. Therefore, Krishna has given different paths that at least you follow the Vedic literatures to some extent so that you may be purified in future. Just like in the Vedic literatures, there is description how you may eat meat. So is it that Krishna, through the Vedas, is describing that it is a very good thing to eat meat? No. Eating meat is not good. But that is described. Why? Because there will always be some class of people who are not very advanced. They will be inclined to eat meat. So, if they do it under, first thing, if they do it under restriction and control, that is better than if they do it without any control, because then they'll be eating meat every day, three times a day, if they can afford it. But if there's some restriction, oh, you should follow the Vedas, all right, only once a month. Another advantage is that by following the Vedic system, not only there will be restriction there, but because they have respect for the Vedas, then there is chance of further uplift. Just like yesterday, I was discussing, yesterday, day before, day before in class, I was discussing about culture. So, often we find, actually, Robert said this in my personal experience also, that even the lowest class person in India, they have more culture in many cases, in many ways, than people from other countries, just like you'll find. For instance, there is the culture that when a respectable person is walking, one should not go past him riding in a chariot. So in modern age, people don't go in chariots, but they may go in bicycles. So we see sometimes in the villages in Bengal, there's so many Muslims in the villages in Bengal, we may be walking along the path, you see, sadhu. So they're riding their bicycle along the path. They get down off the because they think, here is a respectable person. So even they, or as I was saying, you may go in the house of someone who's namashudra, they're supposed to be lower than shudras. They're considered according to caste. But you'll find their house is very clean, all the parts, pans, spotlessly clean. Uh, they'll, offer, they'll invite you, please come, please take a glass of water. Or they may say, I cannot offer you a glass of water because I am too local. They may say that also, a consideration. Please, at least, come to our house and purify it. So that much culture is there. told, he was one time walking in Vrindavan, in the field. That time around our temple there were so many fields, now it's all big housing estate. So, he was walking in someone's field and the farmer, illiterate man, came and said, Oh, Swamiji, you have come in my field. I am so much blessed that you have come in my field. I am purified that you have come in my field. 
Prabhupada said, and also he bowed down, bowed down when he saw Prabhupada. So he said, this is the difference between India and the West. And in India, even an illiterate man, he doesn't know, he's not so big educated. But even an illiterate man, if he sees the sadhu, he will bow down, not puffed up. He knows that <coughs> I may be illiterate, that is due to my previous karma. I'm not so much highly placed in society. So that he knows. That you'll even find big, big PhD in the Western countries. They don't know the basic thing. I'm not this body. He thinks I'm so intelligent because of my own great ability. He's puffed up. He'll never bow down. So that is one thing. Another thing, Prabhupada is saying, that the man is saying, oh, you're, I'm so fortunate you're walking in my field. But in the Western countries, they'll bring a gun and shoot you. In America, it's legal. I don't know about all America, but in many states. Maybe you know, I don't know. That if someone is on your property, you can shoot them and kill them without asking any questions. It's legal. This is such a nice country, civilized country. It's supposed to be civilized. So, this is the difference. That if that culture is there, people may be lifted up. That culture is there, just like you find someone, even he may not understand Krishna is the Supreme Lord. He may not accept. He may have so many funny ideas. But if he is trained in culture, then when a saintly person comes, he will offer respect. That saintly person may be an actual saintly person. He may be a bogus imitation cheater. He may be a Shaivite, whatever. But the culture is there to offer respect to a saintly person. So, if an actual saintly person, a Vaishnava, comes, and that people offer respect on the basis, here is a sannyasa, then they will make spiritual advancement. They will make a step towards Krishna. And if they serve him, and if they listen to what he has to say, then they'll make more advancement. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. Because people were thinking, he's just an ordinary guy. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu thought, let me take sannyas. Then at least everybody will bow down. That much culture is there, or was there, in India. That everyone upon seeing a sannyasi, it doesn't matter. Whatever else they may feel, they will immediately bow down. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu thought that people, if they think I'm a sannyasi, then they bow down. That's good. But actually I'm the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So if they bow down to me, even if they think I'm just a sannyasi, not the Supreme Lord, then they'll make so much advancement. Therefore he took sannyasi. So that people could take... Prabhupada also said, for India, for preaching in India especially, sannyasi is important. In the Western countries, it doesn't make that much difference. Because to, to the outside people, to them it doesn't make any difference. I mean, they don't know. Sannyasi, not sannyasi, they have no idea how to offer respects. Of course, in some countries, especially where there's some strong religious tradition, Catholic tradition, also in uh, Orthodox church tradition to some extent, that is there. They have the idea of offering special respect to a highly placed priest or a bishop or something like that. But uh, in the Protestant tradition, which is very much impersonally influenced more than the Catholic tradition, then they don't offer special respect to anybody. They're very, they're very uh, much more impersonal. So, anyway, in India at least, if one is sannyasi, the people they know, they should offer special respect. They should listen to what he has to say. Therefore, for devotees who are preaching in India, Prabhupada was more interested in 
They should take some yes, because when people see this, they should, they should know, oh, here's a respectable person. And even, he may speak very strongly, which he should do. Sannyasi should speak strongly. That's his duty. Even, they will tend to tolerate. Of course, nowadays people are very puffed up. But uh, still that culture is there. Sannyasi, why that culture is there? He should speak strongly. Uh, why he has to speak strongly? Someone has to speak strongly. Someone has to tell others that this is all nonsense. Meat-eating, gambling, intoxication, illicit sex. This is all rascal. All these bogus avatars. It's all rascal. Anything except surrender to Krishna. It's all rascal. So someone should tell them. That culture is there. That sannyasi, even a brahmana, actually even a brahmana, whatever he says should be accepted. That culture is previously there. Giving so much respect to brahmanas. Nowadays brahmanas are businessmen, office workers, caste brahmanas. So there's no special respect. Why should they? But that culture is there, that sannyasi should be respected and he should speak strongly and that people should, he should be ready to accept. So that culture is there uh, that is very useful. Those who follow this, they won't be too much degraded. Those who follow Vedic literature, Vedic culture, even if they are degraded by eating meat, which is a very that's practically just at the edge of Vedic culture. But they can be uplifted by the Vaishnavas because they have enough culture to be ready to be uplifted. So the Vedic literatures are presented in such a way that it's not <coughs> all or nothing. Actually it is all or nothing. Sarvadhaman Either surrender to Krishna or your life is spoiled. But there is more hope for those who follow the Vedic culture even if they're not coming to the proper point immediately. So here we see Prahlad Maharaj is replying to Hirani Kashipu according to the instruction that he has received from his actual guru. He, you could say he deliberately misunderstood what Hirani Kashipu said because he wasn't interested in talking about Samadhi, the Dhan, Dhanda, this uh, politics of the material world. He was interested in talking about Krishna. So he took this opportunity to talk about Krishna. Similarly, we should take every opportunity to speak about Krishna. Sometimes people would come to Prabhupada, they're materialistic people, they don't know how to talk about Krishna. Prabhupada would engage them in talk about Krishna. This famous example, in England, this racing driver, his name was Graham Hill. He was a very famous racing driver. And uh, Prabhupada was talking, what will he talk with a racing driver about? Racing driver has no interest in it. can't even begin to talk about spiritual topics. So Prabhupada is talking, asking him, what do you do? And he's saying, I'm driving. What kind of cars do you drive? And talking all these nonsense things for some time. And uh, then Prabhupada said that it's, uh, it's very dangerous, your job. Don't you feel afraid you could die any time? And Graham Hill admitted, yes, that's true. Then Prabhupada started preaching, yes. So you should understand what is the purpose of life. You can die any time, so what will happen? And actually after some time, maybe ten years after that, Graham Hill died in a car crash, not surprisingly. It's uh, not surprising if you drive cars at uh, 200 kilometers an hour, and you, if you, it's quite likely you're going to lose control sometime and die. So uh, anyway, that point is there that Prabhupada took the opportunity to speak about Krishna consciousness. So here we have an example. Kalad Maharaj, someone asked him, 
something useless. So he replied in relationship to Krishna. In India often people ask us, where are you from? Have you ever get asked that question in India? You ever had that experience? Where are you from? Actually, when I go in the villages, I keep one sheet written in the local language. My name is, my country is, my father did this, my mother did this, and my education. It's very useful actually. And you just give it to people, and they all come in a big group, and one person reads it, and they're all very satisfied, because they want to know these things. Sometimes we get annoyed when, after about a hundred people ask us in one day, sometimes we get a little fed up. Uh, but actually, in Indian culture, if someone asks you questions about yourself, that's actually considered something... Uh, it's, it's not... In, at least in British culture, if someone, ha- if someone you don't know, they walk up to you and ask you so many questions, it's considered rude. It's an invasion of your privacy. Who are you? Are you a policeman? You're interviewing me? Something? You're trying to find I did some crime? It's considered rude. But in Indian culture, that's considered, that's offering some kind of respect because you're taking interest in the person. So, you could answer the question, well, I'm from Vaikuntha, sometimes that's what he's asked. And people are like, hmm, they're trying to understand, what are you talking about? <laughs> so then you can, exp- if you're going to explain, that's very good, that actually we're not the body, and so if you just say, I'm from Vaikuntha, you can't really understand. So there's no harm also, just to tell them like that, because they're seeing you as, they're asking you because they're, they're curious, but they also have some respect that, oh, Sadhu has come from another country. And they're saying, oh, you see, he's from Yugoslavia and he has a, he's educated and uh, he's taking up this. Then you'll go and tell you, see, he's from Yugoslavia, he's chanting Hare Krishna. I think we should also chant Hare Krishna. That's what they think. That's how the psychology works. That's why Prabhupada wanted to bring Western devotees to India so that the Indian people would see, oh, see, he's chanting Hare Krishna. He's from the Western countries. So we should also chant Hare Krishna. That's how it works. That's exactly what, that's the psychology. That's how it works. That's how it works. So if people ask us, you can't tell them. I'm from Yugoslavia and whatever questions But if you want, you can keep a sheet. It's very, you can just keep a sheet. Nicely written. You get someone, Gujarati person, to write it. And everyone, you put it in a laminated cover. Everyone will be very happy. All right, Hare Krishna, all Christ to Shri Prabhupada. Is there any question? Every house, Ganesh is worshipped everywhere. Whatever food, whoever you worship, you have to worship Ganesh first. That's the system. Because he removes the obstacles. There may be so many obstacles. There may be so many demons floating around in the spirits floating around in space. Or our mind may not be properly adjusted. The time, place may not be correct. May not be pure. So many different things. So Ganesh removes the obstacles. In Hari Bhakti Vilas and in Nectar Devotion, it's stated that one should worship Ganesh. Because even in our spiritual worship, there may be so many material obstacles, just like the, the time, the place may not be pure. These are 
material obstacles in our spiritual worship. Actually, one who's completely on the spiritual platform, nothing material can interfere. But as long as we're not fully on the spiritual platform, there may be some disturbance from our own mind or in so many different ways. So that is recommended, we should begin the worship of Ganesh. When Prabhupada was asked about this, he said that uh, our system, what we're doing, we worship the pure devotees. Who, they, whatever obstacles are there, by their mercy, that is overcome. So you see, we have on the altar a picture of the Guru Parampara. That's how Prabhupada explained this. Jai, Shri Prabhupada, Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada, Ki Jai, Hare Krishna.